With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing the Godfather at ChumbaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. For sports enthusiasts amongst us, this is definitely the time of year for anniversaries. In the week that we record, we're exactly eight years on from the start of London 2012. We're two years away from the Birmingham Commonwealth Games, and we're just one year away from the Summer Olympics in Tokyo. But of course, we've been there before. The Games of the 32nd Olympiad will be held in 2021, following the global pandemic. This is Anything But Footy, your Olympic and Paralympic sport podcast. And I'm Michael. I'm John, and whilst the organising committee continue their planning and preparations and insist the Games will go ahead in 2021 there is still a considerable level of doubt around that. Major sporting events continue to be postponed and cancelled across the globe, and there are still question marks over qualification and whether the battle against drug cheats has been rigorous as it needs to be over the past few months. The better news is that the venues and the dates have all been secured for 2021, and the schedule for the Games has been released as well. So, on the premise that Tokyo 2020 happens in 2021, this is our one-year-to-go preview again. Yes, we've already done the (laughs) one-year-to-go podcast, but here we go again. Just First of all, if you can, just bring us up to date on on some of the, the key headlines the key points if you like um in terms of those cancellations and postponements i don't think we want to go on too much about what's not happening at the moment and how much the games might still be in doubt we want to talk as if we know it's going to go ahead but there have been some some developments recently yeah and i think this is the question when we go will the olympics take place in a year's time and it does seem unfathomable that it wouldn't But actually, as each week goes by and more sporting events are cancelled or postponed, 
then it does make you question whether even in a year's time we will be in a position where people are in the stadiums competing in eight lanes on an athletics track playing uh, tennis normally with ball boys and and line judges and whether we'll see the olympics as we saw the olympics four years ago now in rio and i think that's the point that we are still seeing these cancellations so just to rattle through some of the big the big ones that have happened that have caught our eye in britain for example we are not having any international athletics this year at all we will have the british championships which will take place behind closed doors in manchester which is great news for particularly the athletes but also british athletics and their um, financial uh, concerns as well. But the cancellation of the Muller Grand Prix in Gateshead, up your neck of the woods, Michael, you were expecting to see the world's best international athletes come and compete for a rescheduled date in September 12th. But again, the issue that is there is that they can't provide the facilities that need upgrading in time to ensure that international athletes will be able to compete in a safe manner. So we spoke to Joanna Coates this week in our Great British boss's spin-off on anything but footy and she told us it would be hugely disappointing if that didn't take place and then it was literally cancelled the next day after we spoke to her we've also got in the wider world Senegal who were due to host the first ever kind of Olympic event in Africa the Youth Olympic Games in 2022 so not even next year the year after that has been cancelled to at least 2026 and no uh, way of looking at having anything in between that for the Youth Olympic Games. And that is absolutely huge, but it allows, as the IOC have said, Senegal to continue their excellent preparations for the Youth Olympic Games. And then in the para world, we've got the Lasco 2020 European 10 metre parachuting championships, which were due to be in Slovenia in November, just totally cancelled. So if you're competing in the parachuting events in the Paralympics next year, that is one way that you're not going to be able to qualify by competing in that. That's just been cancelled entirely. And then the modern pentathlon 2020 Youth World Championships in Egypt has also been cancelled. So this is the issue, Michael. So, yes, we can say the Olympics will be going ahead, probably. But if you've got cancellation after cancellation after cancellation as it's continuing at the moment, it does put a huge question mark over whether these games in Tokyo will go ahead. Yeah, and it's around that issue, as you say, there of of qualification. How do we qualify athletes? I know there are a number of athletes already qualified and those qualifications stand by. Certainly Team GB had announced some teams and we'll go on and talk more about that very shortly on the podcast so those athletes will still get their opportunity but you mentioned there for the Paralympics the parachuting championships the European parachuting championships cancelled completely so that is a major event there where those parachuters don't get to take part what I would say just about the logistics if you like the main reason I think Gateshead Council and British Athletics pulled the Diamond League meeting in Gateshead is they say that because of COVID-19 they weren't able to do the maintenance work and the upgrade of the facilities at the Gateshead track that they were planning. And that's one of the reasons, because obviously so many businesses, organisations were put on hold because of the pandemic. What we hope and what we think in Tokyo is all those venues and all the logistics and the bus lanes and the car lanes and everything else, the airport terminals that are needed to stage an Olympics, that they are all ready to go. So that shouldn't be an issue. But in terms of what that Olympic Games could look like, could we see 
behind closed doors Olympic Games. Now that, if I was to go with my gut right now, that would be my prediction that the games will go ahead in some shape or form, but we might not see some of the glittering ceremonies that we're used to. And we might see venues set up in a very different way in terms of the number of spectators that can be allowed in. That would be my my gut feeling at the moment about how that games could could go ahead. I don't think there'll be an appetite, certainly for the local organising committee, certainly for the government of Japan, who gambled so much on on using the games as a way of re-announcing itself to the world and to boost its economy, and certainly not from an IOC point of view where they've got so much money tied up in broadcast and commercial rights. They won't want to let it go again. They might have to let it go again. Events might overtake them. But in terms of then being creative and staging it, they might just have to look at the way, the amount of people, if you like, that they're letting into some of the competition venues. Again, in one of our spin-offs of anything but footy's great British bosses, we called up with Mark England, the chef de mission of Team GB. And I thought it was really interesting, Michael, when he, he kind of said, we, we need to see where we're at in a year's time in the mindset of whether winning medals is important um, and whether it even matters, whether we can win as many medals as we do in Rio, as we did in Rio, where, of course, we finished second in the medals table in, in the Olympics and, and, and London as well, where we finished third. And I, I do think you're right about the mindset of the Olympics and whether we do need the razzmatazz and the um, the big opening ceremonies and and everybody's saying and you know the Olympics last week when they had their one year to go uh, celebration came up with the hashtag stronger together which recognizes the importance of solidarity and unity in all of our diversity during these difficult times and I think that was a, a good message to have but it also shows that it doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to be the same Olympics in a year's time as it was going to be this summer. And I think that's the huge question mark that we just don't know whether we want to be celebrating in the way that we would have been celebrating if COVID had never come in. I think what would be a more powerful message, if you think about the opening night or the opening day of the Tokyo Olympics, what would be a more powerful message for, for the world? Would it be a massive show on the scale that we've seen in Beijing and Athens and, and London, of course, which went down so well received? A massive cultural Olympiad, top superstars, marching bands and all the rest of it. Or potentially bring those 10,000 athletes, those 10,000 competitors and sit them in that 80,000 capacity stadium where they would be able to be socially distant, but not have the big show, but bring it about the athletes. Don't bring the spectators in. Don't bring the likes of you and I in, but bring those athletes in. Because whilst we talk so much um, about, you know, oh, in a year's time, I want to be in Tokyo, or I would have been on the plane to Tokyo right now. And we've both done that. And I've definitely done that this week on social media. It would have been uh, today that I would have been going to the airport. Actually, it's not about me. Um, I'm not peaking for the summer of 2020 and my journalistic career might not be peaking in the summer of 2021. But those athletes, some of them maybe won't have the opportunity in 2021 that they would have now. There'll be other stories, of course, where 2020 was coming too soon and 2021 will be an opportunity. But for many, and we'll run through a list in a, in a bit, 
this was it. This was what they'd been working for. This was their Olympic cycle. So actually, is it about a big opening ceremony? Is it about getting tens and thousands of people into venues? Or is it actually about just trying to make the athlete experience as good and as safe as it possibly could be? And I think that is the huge question, Mark. I think you're right. I think it should be about the athletes. And the Olympics was set up to celebrate the athletes. And you wonder whether some of that has been lost in the the, the world's greatest show, getting bigger and bigger and bigger every. I think it has every two years and every four years. So I think it, it could it go back to basics a little bit. That horrible phrase from the nineteen nineties. Um, you know, could could it go back to what it was set up for? And you're right. I think on the opening night, actually having an opening presentation where they light the flame and the athletes are paraded and we get on with the sport um, 12 hours later might be a, a more appropriate way of recognising what has gone on and what has happened. People have been saying, remember London 1948? Now, obviously we don't, but you can go back and watch the pictures of that, the austerity games, as I think they were dubbed a few years ago uh, by some people calling for London 2012 to, to, to be something similar. But in 1948, it was about bringing the world back together from what had happened. And of course, so terribly uh, was um, all the lives affected right across the world in all different countries, but also for Tokyo itself which was in a, in a place where um, they were supposed to be holding the Olympics in 1940. And that was obviously then cancelled. And then everything else that happened uh, in, in, their, in their war and what impact they had on other, on other nations as well. But it did bring the countries that wanted to compete in the Olympics in 1948 together. And you wonder whether stronger together could mean bringing the world back together and working together as a, as a, as a world as well uh, and moving into the future um, and trying to, to be more unified than what we are at the moment, where it, it does feel, and not to get too political about it, it does feel that every country is treating COVID differently and doing how they want to do it to, to try and beat it. Well, actually, as a world, do we need to come together and try and beat that? And then the Olympics could be part of a celebration of that. That you know, that's another way uh, of looking at it. But Mike, I mean, you've been looking at um, you know the details this week that the IOC have released, and Tokyo twenty twenty one at the moment looks virtually the same as twenty twenty in terms of the actual sporting events that have got lined up. Yeah, I think basically what's happened is the schedule has just shifted. Um, as we know, everything's sort of just shifted a day, so everything's just shifted along a year. So, yeah, the events and the sessions and the disciplines will take place virtually the same as they were planning to do for 2020. So uh, you've got things like uh, the men and women's marathon, uh, which will take place as planned, of course, although that has been moved out of Tokyo because of, obviously, as we know, the heat as well. What's interesting, that the, the planned closing ceremony is the women's marathon victory ceremony is going to take place as part of that closing ceremony as well. So the men's marathon victory ceremony is traditionally always been part of that closing ceremony but the women will get their opportunity as well athletics then for the track and field fans friday the 30th of july 
opening rounds of the men's 3,000 metre steeplechase. And then the athletics will conclude on the final day of the Games, which is now set for Sunday the 8th of August, also uh, with that men's marathon in Sapporo as well. We're going to get our Super Saturdays that's, of course, in Great Britain. Um, We love and has recently been voted uh, Team GB's greatest Olympic moment, Super Saturday in 2012. So there will be a Super Saturday with the three finals, the men's discus throw, women's 100 metres and the inaugural mixed 4 by 400 metre relay. That will be uh, on the 31st of August. And then, of course, we will also have other finals and other athletics titles. uh, uh, Sorry, that was the 31st of July. Other uh, athletics titles and finals, which will take place on Saturday, the 7th of August as well. They're also planning on having their Golden Sunday on the 31st of July. 25 medal events in all. The men's 100 metres final will be part of that as well. And then with Super Saturday, Golden Sunday, of course, that that wonderful weekend that we know, and certainly in this country as well, where they often have a lot of the rowing finals and they often have some track cycling going in as well. We know that that middle weekend from a Team GB point of view is always a real highlight of the Games. And a quick word on the Paralympics as well, because obviously the International Paralympic Committee have been meeting as well to make sure that they're ready for when their Games begin. And I think, you know, we've talked about this before on Anything But Footy in in a lot of what we were in previous episodes where we're, you know, there is a concern that the funding is maintained for the Paralympics. I think they've had to furlough 19 staff at the IPC on a a day to day basis due to the decrease in their workload for this year in in particular. And they've also had to make, you know, more than a million pounds of of euros, a million euros of savings as well uh, by operating departments so they are balancing their budgets ahead of the Paralympics because this is the other point and you know we talked about it with Joanna Coates for British Athletics it's not just about delaying things this costs money and it, it, it that impacts on people's livelihoods and people's jobs and when we were listening, weren't we, to the Medals and More podcast that UK Sport um, put out with Catherine Granger, Mike Sharrock um, of ParaGB, um, was talking about some of the desperate, desperate times that, that ParaGB are, are finding themselves in at the moment because most of their revenue, they don't get much, if any, government money. They're certainly not in receipt of government money in the way that British Athletics or British Cycling is, where they get the funding through UK Sport. They're essentially a challenge and they get most of their revenue from commercial partners and they get most of that in the four months in the lead up to a games so that is where they were when the the pandemic started para gb were in that that part of their four-year cycle where the the cash was about to arrive and that's what funds them through the games and and funds them through the next cycle with that cash not arriving as a charity and as an organization not in receipt of huge government funds how do they maintain what they need to do as an organization in order to try and send the best equipped and the best quality para gb team that they possibly can to tokyo i think team gb um, seem to have indicated to us that the sponsors that they had on board the partners they had on board have all, all stuck with them i don't think it has been as critical for them but i certainly think for para gb there are still some some real tough months ahead we mentioned the athletes earlier on we know that some were going to peak for this summer some were probably thinking of retiring after this summer some were hoping to go for a few more months to try and win another gold medal this summer 
the delay of 12 months is such a huge challenge for athletes who you know, do work on a four-year Olympic cycle. You'll hear that a lot if you interview uh, Olympians, which Michael and I have had the pleasure of doing for the last 10 years or so. The Olympic cycle is so crucial and the training and the peaking for that is absolutely what you do. So a delay by a year as well from a physical point of view uh, could have huge implications. It also, actually, having a rest for three or four months, I think they've all still continued training. But actually, some people have benefited from a rest. I saw Alastair Brownlee interviewed in The Times at the weekend, sort of saying, you know, he's uh, um, going to be a, a year older in his mid-30s by the time Tokyo comes along uh, now, and he's going to carry on for another year. So he, you know, we're pretty sure he will go and represent Team GB uh, for a fourth time at the Olympics in Tokyo. But he said, actually, it may be a bit beneficial that I've had a bit of a rest this year and I can I can come back a bit stronger. So there are some question marks over whether that is going to be beneficial or not. But we do know that a certain number of athletes will be going. And, and that has been confirmed that the, the, the team that was already picked are already going. Yeah, it's interesting the point you make because you look at someone like Gemma Riki, who was in such great form in the indoor season she would have been itching to get to the olympic games this summer because it looked as though it was coming for her at the absolutely perfect time whether it will be in 2021 you don't know she's still a young developing athlete of course but she had such a great start in the indoor season to 2020 I went, as you know, before lockdown and spent some time with Tom Daly at the London Aquatic Centre, who who told us actually he wasn't just targeting Tokyo, but was targeting Paris as well. And he said that he was able to do that because he now learned to train a bit smarter. He learned what his body can and can't do. And I think the the break that he's had, he's I've, I've seen quite a lot of his comments on social media, similar to what you were just saying there about Alistair Brownlee. The break that he's had, I think, has, has probably potentially helped him. It might even have extended his career a little bit because of the rigours of throwing yourself off a 10-metre diving board for four, five, six hours every day in training before competition. But when you get to... The athletes that have already been named, the athletes that we know that are going. Sport climber Shauna Coxey, she has been reconfirmed. This is one of the new sports, of course. I went to see Shauna in, in Sheffield where they um, announced that she was going to be the, the, the sport climber to represent Team GB in 2020. So she'll be there as a named athlete, all being well, of course. Uh, we know that uh, the sailing team as well, from a British point of view, has been named as well. So a chance for Hannah Mills and Giles Scott to try and retain the titles that they won in Rio. And we know the, the slalom canoeists that are going to be going as well. Liam Heath, sprint canoeist, is going to be going. Those slalom canoeists, Mallory Franklin, Kimberly Woods, Adam Burgess and Bradley forbes Crimes all will be there in 2021. And we mentioned as well, one of the new sports is sport climbing. Shauna Coxey uh, will be there as well. And before lockdown, when Shauna was actually officially announced as part of the Team G, lineup I went to meet her and the climbing team leader Lorraine Brown how exciting is it that climbing is making an Olympic debut oh it is absolutely phenomenal it's fantastic you know I think it's a sport that um sort of young and old will look at and be really excited about um the athleticism that um climbers show across the three disciplines of speed boulder and lead um I think um general public who know nothing about climbing will certainly look at that and be um inspired to go and have a go I think and we have an athlete tell us then about Shona Coxie 
Um, Shauna is a phenomenal athlete um, and an inspiration for climbing. Um, you know, a, a pioneer in GB climbing terms. Um, you know, a, a world um, cup overall champion twice and now you know a world medalist at two events you know the combined which qualified her for the olympics and um you know i think in terms of the aspiration and the inspiration that she gives to to women and girls to compete in, in climbing and, and just go and try um, i think you know that that'll go to the next level with her competing in in tokyo 2020 a genuine medal contender um, I think what we are trying to do is ensure that she's best prepared, that she's fit and healthy, um, loving her sport. And um, if she goes in in that sort of mental state, she'll produce her best performances. Um, and, you know, we'll be in that zone come Tokyo 2020. For the uninitiated then, tell us a bit about what we're going to see in Tokyo, the discipline, how it's going to work, what the format will be. Yeah, I mean, the format is um, three disciplines. So there's a speed event, a boulder event and a lead event. So the the speed event is athletes um, have a set route over 50 metres and they compete against um, another um, speed climber. So they go head to head um, and they have to go as fast as they can. So that's a known quantity. Um, then they go on to bouldering, where um, athletes um, have to look at a number of problems and solve them. And the athletes who get to the top of more more problems um, are, are are the winners, really, around that that event. And then in terms of the lead, they have to go higher and faster than anyone else. So it's something, isn't it, that will really capture the public imagination because the viewing public, most of them, of course, will be at home watching on television, will be able to see who's winning, who's losing. It's that kind of format, isn't it? Yeah, I think, um, you know, the, the, the sports presentation is going to be really exciting because people will, you know, the, the sort of people at the top will change constantly throughout the competition. So I think people get behind that and be really excited um, I certainly know that people who were watching it for the first time at the World Championships last year um, from here in the UK were were glued to the TV because, you know, the, they were watching the, the sort of um, athletes sort of ebb and flow during the whole competition. And I think um, that sports presentation is only going to get better by the time we get to Tokyo. Well, looking forward to catching up with you again between now and Tokyo. That's great. Thank you. It was all going to be about the new sports. So we were going to get surfing. We were going to get skateboarding. We were going to get climbing. In some ways, the fact that Tokyo now has been delayed and everyone's questioning, as we said at the start of the podcast, this is anything but footy, by the way, uh, with John and Michael just going through with a year to go of Tokyo 2020. But with a year to go, we still don't know whether the games are going to go ahead. And actually, for these new sports that kind of takes some of the gloss off it. Yeah, I do know what you mean. I think um, for, for a sport like skateboarding, for example, where, you know, Sky Brown, um, a lot have been, have been made about, about her chances. I think, to be honest, for some of the, these newer sports, certainly from a British perspective, the bigger picture for them is just to try and get their sport back going at the minute and and, you know we're delighted that you know indoor skate parks for example are now opening again after having been shut and I think yes it's it has probably taken the gloss off I think probably someone like James Hope Gill the chief executive of 
uh, GB Skateboard and Skateboard England was expecting to be in, in Tokyo at the moment, but he's had a, a bigger issue over the last three or four months to deal with, and that is simply just to see his sport survive, his community to remain engaged as well. And I think those sports that have managed to do that and have managed to come through that and get people back and onto the skate parks or get them back out surfing or, or whatever it is into the indoor climbing centres as well, I think that's the first job. And then, of course, now they, they have that opportunity to try and, and build that hype and uh, everything else that goes with, with being part of the Olympic Games. Mm, absolutely. And, of course, we do know as well that some athletes, as we said, can't actually go another year and were peaking for, for 2020. And it's interesting, probably some of the bigger names from the Paralympics have kind of announced their retirement in the last few weeks and months or so. Uh, the reigning Paralympic double world and double Commonwealth champion Sophie Thornhill uh, of course, announcing that she was retiring from cycling um, to further her education. And we talked about that on a previous edition of the podcast. Also, Rio 2016 medalist Lewis White uh, announced his retirement from para swimming with a very short international career. He was 16 when he's made his debut in Rio and won a surprise bronze medal. But he's thought that time is up and he uh, wants to uh, concentrate on other things and he was the youngest ever British male to compete in any sport at the Rio Paralympics but we wish him well he's decided that Tokyo is uh, not for him this time and also then in the Olympics Tom Ransley as well announced his retirement from the British rowing squad uh, Tom of course winning Olympic gold in Rio uh, a part of the men's eight that Michael interviewed afterwards that's successful and that is the, the question mark and there will be other question marks will Mo Farah go again in a year he was going to go to Tokyo and and changed his his you know came back off the road didn't need to come back on the track will he be there will Andy Murray get fit you know that was one of my big predictions I think with a year to go that Andy Murray would be back and would win a medal at Tokyo 2020 will he be there in in 2021 and you know Alistair Brownlee that we've mentioned so many have got have got real question marks as to whether they will be at their peak in a year's time. Yeah, and I think the other interesting point, and you mentioned the the Mark England interview. He's the director of sports services at Team GB, and essentially the team leader, the head of the delegation out there as well. And I think the other the other big issue that, that he brought up is is the medal table going to be as important to to us in twenty twenty one. You know, when you look at the way that Team GB have, have emerged onto the Olympic scene since Atlanta in 96, where they were 36th on the medal table, six bronze, eight silver, and just the one gold, Redgrave and Pinson. Four years later in Sydney, 11 gold medals. In Athens, the birthplace, it was 12 bronze, nine silver, nine golds. Beijing, of course, fourth on the medal table. Amazing results in London in 2012, up to third, and then second in Rio. We all got obsessed with this. But actually, with the global pandemic, with the the refocus, if you like, on athlete health and well-being that I think we've seen with UK Sport under Sally Mundy, the chief exec, and Dame Catherine Granger as the chair, where it's not a, a medals at all costs approach anymore. Actually, are, are we maybe going to have to be happier with a, a top eight, a top ten finish as far as that medal table is concerned? I think we have to remember, and Joanna Coates told us this as well, if you reach an Olympic final, it's a heck of an achievement. You're, you know, in athletics, you're in the top eight in the world, and we should be happy that you're in a, an Olympic final. 
uh, rather than then thinking, oh, well, you only got a bronze medal or you only finished fourth, which was a which. And there were a lot of fourth places in Rio. I, I do remember that. And, you know, we were we were brilliant in Rio. You mentioned a second place in the table and think how many fourths we had as well uh, during that. And I think that is going to be the big question mark, like we've said throughout this podcast, is where is the mentality going to be in a year's time? How are we going to look at those Olympics in a year's time? Because I just don't think we can go into it with the same way that we went into Rio or we went into London um, or, you know, Beijing before that. I think you're right. I think there's some huge question marks. And look, to, to finish with, from my point of view, Michael, where, 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 where are you at with Tokyo? I'm 50-50 as to whether I think this will even take place. I really am at that point where I look at it and go, I just can't see how it will be. And you have to make a decision, what, March, April next year? Well, that's when they made the decision this time. Athletes will, of course, want to know as early as possible because that is what they are building for and that's what they've built for once already. Um, and I think there had been some criticism that the IOC were a bit slow in in making that decision in March, April this time around. And I think that annoyed and upset, understandably, quite a lot of the athletes who were being told by their own NGBs and by their own governments, you know, you can't go to your track or you can't go and train. But the IOC at that point was still saying, no, it's it's business as usual. The, the Olympics is happening. And people are saying, well, I can't train for it. I can't qualify for it. How is it happening? So I, I would hope there is a decision maybe a little bit earlier, just in terms of, of putting the athletes first and foremost. But if there is no sport taking place at the moment, and you know we, we mentioned those events uh, in November, the parachuting championships being cancelled, that's in November. If, if these events aren't taking place in November, December, January, how on earth are people going to be ready or even be able to to qualify for an Olympics six months later. This is what I. This is why I'm at fifty fifty. Yeah, and as I said at, at the the start, really, um, my gut feeling is it will take place that there will be an Olympics, but I don't think it will be the Olympics that we are used to. And I think actually that might be a good thing in the long run. This this arms race, if you like, to to stage the biggest, the best, the most glittering, the most expensive Olympics. We have to outdo the nation, the host city before with our ceremony. We have to spend more money on it. If they had an 80,000 Olympic stadium, we need to build an 85,000 Olympic stadium. You know, this, this as I say, arms race that, that has developed... Probably, I would think, since Los Angeles, 84, maybe before that, but certainly in our lifetimes. You know, I, I think I think Moscow and L.A., certainly uh, yeah. 80 and 84, had a, had, a, had a big, we can do better than you. And that was literally an arms race going, going <laughs> on um, behind the scenes. But the way that it has it's grown and it's boomed and, you know, it's, it's become for so many cities and nations probably... Um, unworkable now. I wonder how many cities and nations moving forward could afford to host and have the know-how to host a Summer Olympic Games. We could probably do it again in Great Britain. The US will have a couple of cities that they will be able to put forward. Australia will. China will. But where in South America again could the Olympic Games go? Would the IOC trust a South American country again? Africa. Of course, it's given so, so much to the Olympic movement, but Durban couldn't pull off a Commonwealth Games, and South Africa, you would think, would be one of the best-positioned countries having hosted a World Cup to have done an Olympic Games. But if they can't pull the Commonwealth off, 
what hope have they of ever hosting and bidding and winning an Olympic Games as well? There are, of course, cities in Asia as well. So maybe this this is not what we wanted, but probably what was needed, a reset point for the Olympic movement. And if the Olympic Games of Tokyo have to be scaled back in terms of the ceremonies, the amount of people coming in, potentially the number of athletes competing as well, in the long run, that might just be the thing that saves it. As ever, if you have an opinion, we'd love to hear from it on our social media. Get in touch with us at any time at Anything But F on Twitter or message us on Insta and Facebook. You can check out our website, anythingbutfooty.com or email anythingbutfooty at gmail.com. And do us a favour, with a year to go, if you haven't yet subscribed, press the subscribe button to the podcast and you'll get updates as we publish. And also tell a friend and tell Apple Podcasts what you think. Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.